This is Chase Garbarino, co-founder and CEO of HQO, and this is the Let's Go Show. Charlie, what's going on? Good to have you on the Let's Go Show. Absolutely. What's up, Chase, man? Everything's good over here. Let's go, man. I'm pumped for this episode. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a first in Let's Go Show history because uh, the guest, well, I guess it's two firsts. The guest, number one, is probably a better qualified media host than yourself, which is not a very high bar, but uh, being a... <laughs> Being a media maven like yourself, hosting multiple shows, it's uh, it's intimidating. So I'm going to have to level up my game a little bit. And the second first is uh, breaking news that you're you're now also the first guest who is joining uh, the HQO team. So we're you know we're breaking all sorts of barriers today. I'm excited. I, actually, I think you're wrong. Mark Rosenthal was on, and I listened to that episode when he hopped on. So yeah, but he was already on. This is kind of like a first announcement of somebody oh, joining. Okay. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm I'm here to break. You know, break the news. Let's let's. I'm fired up. Let's let's jump into this and uh, let's talk about the future of technology in New York City. You know. Yeah, love it. So I guess to start. Tell us a little bit about your background and who you are, though. I'm sure a lot of the audience knows of you. I uh, started commercial real estate 2010. I was working for a team, uh, Mike Gambino, Mike Bergio, who were known as basically the cold calling machines. So I, I basically hit the phones from day one, calling any CEO, CFO in the Plaza district of, of Midtown Manhattan, you know, the highest rents. I did my first deal over at uh, uh, the Boston Properties GM building, which was the rent was $175 per square foot, you know, renegotiated the deal. Yeah, we had to... Uh, we had to fix their waterfall in the office. That was the only thing we had to do. It's it a fr- first world problem right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I was just basically cold calling, dialing for dollars for the first four or five years and, and bouncing around uh, the city trying to generate business. And, you know, after a while, uh, and I'm kind of moving forward fast here, I, I want to reassess the business development side, want to be more relationship business uh, side of things with CEOs. So I started a podcast. I actually started doing videos first. So I did like a, a video tour of the top three buildings, uh, top three office spaces in Silicon Alley in New York City that were available and uh, kind of convinced somebody in marketing to use one of the cameras and, you know, kind of <laughs> went through the back door. It was not really official officially uh, sanctioned by Cushman, which I got in trouble for afterwards. But, uh, you know, I, I was trying to do something different and stand out. So I was doing video tours, a uh, little MTV crib style of available office space around the city. And, uh, you know, I did that for a while. One uh, World Trade, did uh, Trump Tower. That video actually got picked up by Bill Maher. Uh, they put a R- Russian accent over my voice. It was actually pretty funny. Eight million views. So that was nice. Um yeah, but I was doing a lot of different things like that, video tours of, of the city, and uh, basically pivoted, and I said, you know, representing the landlords and showing these office buildings is great, but, you know, the real money's on the tenant side, so I started doing more interview podcasts with CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists who are funding those types of uh, founders. That's when I actually had you. I think you were number six on the, the Culture podcast back in maybe 2017. Yeah. That was a big yeah, no, I was uh, I was pumped. I was just I was getting out of the media game as you were getting into it. So we're uh, two ships passing there. Uh, that was fun. 
Yeah, we, I mean, we had a lot of really cool people, the people who are innovating in New York City technology. Uh, and my buddy Ikram, Cortina, they were both founders of Venmo. Um, you know, Authentic Brands Group, Nick Woodhouse, who just bought Sports Illustrated. He bought Reebok. And all these people are kind of making moves in the city. Uh, so it was a lot of fun building my network. And, uh, you know, continue to do that. Got LinkedIn Live beta access. So we started doing a live show stream. Go to the person's office. Do, again, MTV Cribs now of their office. Check out the building. Check out the lobby. Check out the amenities. And then talk about what they're building you know, where they came from, what they're building and where they're going. And I think that's a pretty good basis of like understanding somebody's business and how to connect with them and try to help them, you know, where you're going, how can I help you? What type of people you're looking for? Um, so I did over like, I don't know, 200 shows with CEOs and founders, venture capitalists. And it was a lot of fun pandemic hit. Um, and that show became a zoom call, which everybody hates zoom calls now shows or whatever. And we, we created another show called Primetime VC, which is uh, basically ESPN around the horn version um, of venture capitalists talking innovation technology. And, you know, did 20 shows like that. We're starting to do some live events at landlords, vacant spaces, rooftops, bringing entrepreneurs to, you know, hear these top venture capitalists speak. But, you know, being right there in the middle of technology, venture capital, real estate in New York City. So network group tremendously, and it was a lot of fun, you know, meeting a lot of great people and connecting them all, like, you know, actually adding value, authentic value to these people's businesses. Yeah. So how did you get the, uh, the initial people to start coming onto the show? And how did you figure out how to do a podcast and a show? I mean, New York City, your timing in terms of talking about technology specific in New York City, I don't think could have been better. You know, I, I talked about it a lot. I'm trying to figure out how to do it. And someone just said, you know, you got to get the equipment. I went over to b and I don't know if you know that over on 34th Street, right here by the HQO office. It's like Willy Wonka, Candyland. Like, it's so cool. There's literally just technology and, and uh, gadgets flying by your head. It's it's crazy. You got to go over there. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. I went, so I got the equipment and I actually went over to my buddy Ikram's office on 23rd Street. And I he's the Venmo co-founder. I said, dude, I got all this stuff. I have no idea how to set it up. He helped me set it up. And I'm like, all right, great. Why don't we just record one real quick? So I kind of like snuck it on him. He he helped me out. We did a, you know, an hour podcast about his life and how he got into technology. Then, you know, that was the first one. And uh, leverage some of his network, some of my network, and uh, we just we were off and running. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, how did that impact kind of your your work as a broker? I don't think a lot of people understood it, uh, but the goal from the beginning was to make relationships with decision makers. Uh, typically, you're calling, you're cold calling, and you're saying, "Hey, uh, I wanted to come in there and talk about your office lease and what's going on in the building," and everybody's like, "You know, listen, man." I don't know if you could curse on this podcast, but they were they're they're curse at you. F U C L. You can, yeah, yeah. So you you can imagine. Uh, and I had a different angle. It was basically calling the decision maker. Hey, Charlie Stevens of Cushman of Wakefield, not calling you about your office lease right there. They're like, what What are you calling me about? And it's hey, I got a podcast. I got a show. I want to promote you. I want to talk about your business and talk about what you're doing uh, and help you out in any sort of way. So that. That was kind of the initial way to get in the door. And then again, after the show, here's a list of 100 people I've interviewed. I circled five or 10 people I think you should connect with, who I think could help your business, whether it be a venture capitalist who's, you know, you just talked about you're going to be raising capital, uh, and then add that value so that you can be somebody 
you know, that's actually helping their business opposed to just being a real estate guy. Cause anybody could do a real estate deal at the end of the day. Um, but can you actually help grow their business? You know, that's, that's kind of the ethos I was going under. Yeah. I mean, and it, it seems to have taken off. I mean, the primetime VC show has, I mean, the, the top VCs in, in New York, the, the lineup's really strong. Um, I'd imagine you've kind of, uh, you've pretty become pretty well networked in New York city tech through this. Yeah. I, it, there's, there's funny that, you know, real estate brokers, venture capitalists, uh, you know, they don't mind talking about themselves. They like to promote themselves, yeah. which is a good thing, right? For everybody. They want to promote themselves. They want to promote their portfolios. I want to help them promote their portfolios. I want to help their portfolios grow. And then I was going to help them basically find their office space, which I, I did. So yeah, it was, it was great. And you know, everybody saw that it was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, there's one winner at the end of the show, which is completely different than any podcast where you're just like, oh, talking about myself. But you know, I, I, that was the best part, cutting people. Like you two are out, you two are in the finals and then deciding who won. Uh, yeah, it got me on their playing level, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it worked out and it's fun. Yeah, no, it's a fun show. So, I mean, but you, you've got a unique purview and obviously New York and technology has been pretty dramatically changed over the past year and a half. So, I mean, from where you sit, what are the things that stand out to you and what's ahead for New York City, you know, kind of at that nexus of commercial real estate and the technology community? There's a stat I always like to throw out that 79% of the buildings were built before 1980 in New York City. Hmm. So with that being said, there's not a lot of technology within these buildings. Obviously, Midtown Manhattan is kind of like the epicenter of business. Uh, but again, these are all buildings that were probably built in the 70s, 60s, maybe. And then, not, you know, some, you know, one Vanderbilt there's, there's, that's brand new, that probably has the highest technology and there's, there's new buildings there. But there's a big gap between brand new building, technology enabled uh, versus all these other buildings. So there's, it needs help. Uh, commercial real estate needs help with technology. That's not something that is a surprise to anybody. And there's a, there's a huge opportunity here, obviously with HQO and uh, a lot of other commercial real estate technology companies to kind of fill that gap and, and connect technology with the commercial real estate space, the amenity space, and and help out that that tenant experience, which is you know a great thing that you're doing, and it makes me excited to jump on here. Yeah, and what do you? I mean, are you seeing in the real estate community? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk of technology and prop tech is all the rage. Are you seeing uh, meaningful action in terms of new technology adoption? It, it's funny because in the pandemic everyone's been talking about it. There hasn't been a lot of action. There hasn't been a lot of implementation. And throughout the pandemic, everyone's like, well, what are the, what's some of the technology you want to see? And before I even really knew about HQO, I said, what about mobile access to the building? I'm doing it with the New York City Transit. Like I'm, I'm getting my subway pass right through my Omni app. Why can't I do that with my building? Maybe connect that with, uh, I don't know, my LinkedIn. So somebody could see me check in and all of a sudden LinkedIn's connected to whatever it may be. So there's really not a lot. I mean, besides like you're looking at the elevator system is more technology advanced so that people can get to their floor faster. Like that doesn't really do a lot. Um, but now that there's amenity center, there's more tenant focused uh, 
uh, availabilities within the bu- in the building and, and things to help out the the tenant have a better experience. You know, there's there's just a huge opportunity for people to implement this technology again, which gets me excited. But no, there hasn't really been too much. A lot of talk about it, uh, and not not so much. Uh, implementation so far besides HQO is now they're, you know, they're doing it with Vernado. I was at 1290 and it was a little bit of a game changer for me. So it opened my eyes and it's, it's the future. Yeah. So, and what do you think is, uh, you know, before we, we jump further into uh, you joining HQO, what, what are you seeing in terms of your network in kind of the New York city tech community and how everybody's thinking about, the role of office space and returning to office and you know all all of that obviously i know um there's a there's a lot of uh uncertainty with delta and those things but what are you hearing from tech companies about uh the role of office moving forward and kind of remote work yeah i'll give you a breakdown of kind of how the pandemic worked out for me it was just you know Everybody obviously gave back their space and tried to sublease it when the pandemic hit to try to minimize costs. And uh, there was never so much sublease space available in the history of New York City, um, you know, throughout the pandemic. And things are, are ramping back up uh, quite fast, actually. Beginning of the year, they started having a little more action, people sniffing around, what's happening in New York City? We want to get back. Uh, everybody was remote. And, you know, tours started to pick up, transactions started to pick up. So people understand that there's obviously a need for the office, for the collaboration, uh, to really communicate with each other and get things done. Obviously, you can do this remotely, but uh, there's nothing really like sitting around a room, I think, with a bunch of people trying to get things done and hashing it all out and, uh, you know, drawing it up on a whiteboard or or whatever it may be. Uh, So the date really has been after Labor Day that people are coming back and that's you know right about now as we're recording so everybody's kind of wrapping up their family vacations the summer vacations they didn't have last year and things are are quickly ramping back up and people are are really looking for office space what i will say is that now instead of a 5 to 10 year lease you're looking more at 3 to 3 to 5 year leases because people are uncertain of what's going to happen uh and they're taking advantage of those smaller or shorter type of terms and smaller spaces because they want to grow and expand over the next couple of years. Uh, but it, it's basically, you know, the, the, the mix of work from home has minimized the footprint of a lot of people uh, while giving that they want the flexibility of these, of these short-term spaces too. So it's a little bit of a different game right now, rather than these big spaces, a uh, long-term uh, it's it's kind of like you know pushing it along and seeing what's happening. So uh, it's definitely coming back. It's coming back strong, but uh, it's it's coming back you know <laughs> in waves or slowly. But it, it's here. Yeah. And do you think um, do you think the needs of tech companies with their office, you know, whether it be certain amenities or services and things at properties or even layout like are you seeing the demands change now that companies have had to work remote and are thinking about you know how they how they rethink their physical workplace yeah it's like how can you connect with your your coworkers and your employees i think that the 
the amenity spaces, reimagining the building. Uh, EQ Office is doing something really cool over at uh, 17. Uh, you might want to cut that out because I don't remember the, uh, the address of it. But uh, essentially, the landlords need to compete to get the, the best tenants. And the amenity spaces is where they're renovating, repositioning these buildings. So uh, I, the way that people are laying out the office, instead of having just straight bench seating and jam as many people in you know, an office as possible, now it's a little bit more back to the cube style. Uh, the technology side of it is, you know, you got the tracing uh, of, you know, how close people are and if anything happens with the, the COVID, which is good. But also the technology that the landlord can actually connect with the tenant directly and push notifications of, of events that they're having is exciting. You know, bottom line is these landlords are competing for tenants and that the tenants need to attract the best talent. So how are you going to do that? You're going to get try to get the best building, the best efficiently uh, created building with the amenities. And, you know, the, the thing that no one's talking about is also uh, the factor of health and working out. Like all of this pandemic stuff, a lot of people are not in shape or are not healthy. Uh, so when you throw in a many center in a gym, you know, that's, that's a huge advantage, especially to a guy like me or you with kids, young kids, and, you know, you get home and you don't have time to work out, but if you have one in your building, maybe I'll go during lunchtime and maybe I'll book a trainer through the HQO app or whatever it may be. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, a race right now, who could be the most competitive with their building amenities and making it a, a, a attractive asset. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's interesting to see that for, you know, very long time talking to a number of New York City landlords, so much of, you know, rent rates and things were predicated upon trophy asset location and location still obviously going to be pretty important. But what tenants are asking for in terms of the services and the experience of properties, the the bar is just so much higher. And I think there there's a number of landlords that are kind of embracing this and they're recognizing that there's more service and ultimately more value that can be provided to tenants. Um, and if they do that, I think they might come back stronger than where they were before. Um, but I think there's also a crop of landlords, not just New York City, um, even probably more so in other areas outside of New York City, but there are some that are trying to get back to the status quo. And I just don't think there's going to be an opportunity for that. So. I think, you know, pretty much in any industry, when you see companies coming out of downturns is where uh, winners tend to increase their lead. Um, good times can kind of carry mediocre companies. So the challenges that we're starting to see really here in 2021, because it didn't, didn't immediately hit in 2020, but 2021, I think into 2022, um, the groups that start leaning into how do you provide provide flexible solutions and within that what are the services needed for kind of different company profiles i think they're going to win and win big 100 percent. the thing too is no person landlord broker whoever i talk to when i explain what's going on with hqo and the technology that's being implemented with the buildings no one's saying that's not a good idea everybody's saying that is the future it's just a matter of time uh and then also i'll say the interesting thing is now you have, let's say, a portfolio of buildings in New York City, even if it's a small portfolio of buildings, now you could connect all your buildings together. So if you do have co-working space in a different building, 
uh, you could connect that with your other building so that people can get access to it. And then it really has this hybrid approach. And I hate to say this, like the WeWork model that they created was such a hot thing because the software they had behind it and connecting their community, connecting all this, all the space and stuff like that. And it's almost like you're kind of taking this now and implementing it in any other building in the city, which is uh, the best part of it. Uh, you know, I hate to compare the two, but it's the software and the technology that people want and they want to stay connected with their community. No, I mean, and I've said this before, I think the biggest tragedy um, on kind of WeWork 1.0, if we want to call it that, because they're, they're certainly uh, coming back now, obviously, you know, you were at Cushman, they just made a big investment in WeWork. And um, I think what would have been interesting to see was, um, you know, they, they had to scratch the IPO, but they ended up kind of failing on their initial IPO and kind of ascent because of, you know, obviously a lot of the shenanigans of Adam, Adam Newman, but what it would, what would have been significantly more interesting is to see, you know, could they have endured, um, through kind of COVID without cutting, you know, they had to sell all the technology companies and things like that. So we never really got to see kind of like the full model uh, come to life in the public markets, which now will, you know, once they're assuming their SPAC goes through, we'll get to see it. I think they're well positioned. And I think, you know, a lot of what they're trying to do, right, is create flexibility by, you know, getting um, locations at scale because, uh, I think a lot of people talk about remote work, but uh, what I think the reality is, is much more distributed than necessarily remote, right? Sometimes if you have a meeting downtown, you want to be able to, you know, park and do work downtown. If you're meeting, you know, if your office is in Midtown, that's not an easy thing to do. You got to go hang out at like a Starbucks or whatever coffee shop, something like that. So I think distributed is really interesting and um, landlords that kind of figure out ways to emulate that or, are going to have a lot of uh, value to provide their customers. 100%. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about software um, and what, you know, it's just fascinating that WeWork scaled, you know, they, they do it in a very capital intensive way initially through, you know, leasing physical space. But what software can do is start to create, you know, the, the same idea of what WeWork achieves if a lot of landlords kind of opt into a shared network. You know, if I'm, say, Vornado in New York City and I have a partnership with, say, Hudson Pacific out on the West Coast, my tenants can, you know, grab space or do something in terms of like a passport and, and a share program, um, which is just value add um, to, to your customers when the reality is, is, you know, work happens in a lot of different places. So I think, you know, uh, certainly they're what they've done. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting. And I think there's going to be a lot of other people starting to emulate some, some aspects of that. And I think landlords are, are starting to get wise into, you know, how they can provide value beyond the, the four walls that they provide their customers. Right. And it doesn't hurt to have Matsuyoshi-san backing you. Well, no, I that, love saying his name. Yeah, no, that, that definitely helps. Um, he's had a little bit of success in his day. So, I mean, specific. Yeah, SoftBank is. Yeah, they're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, specifically on HQO, I mean, what interests you in in joining uh, joining up with us? It, you know, I, we talked about 
the opportunity in New York and this is the right time. It, it just seems like the, the tides of turning, everything's kind of, it all makes sense, especially kind of with my network that I've kind of created within technology, innovation, venture capital, real estate. So it, it excites me to, to tie all this together, uh, the technology and real estate aspect of it, you know, do some more, even do a little more collaborations with the videos that we originally did, take those video tours and highlight the building amenity centers and in New York City that, uh, you know, also the technology uh, of New York City within these buildings. So it, let's, let's put it this way. The reason when I got into commercial real estate, I, I looked at the city's skyline and I'm like, I want to be there. I want to be in those, I want to see those buildings. I want to learn about everything. And then I, I quickly realized I wanted to understand who was in those buildings. And as this kind of progressed, it's like, what is driving the the technology? What is driving the the engineering of these buildings? What what makes buildings so special besides the location and and you know everything about them? But uh, this this opportunity is exciting to me because you know melting or merging technology, commercial real estate buildings together uh, is obviously the future and that there's going to be tons of exciting opportunities to collaborate with owners and understand what tenants want. Uh, so continue to communicate with these tenants and try to bring that uh, opportunity to them, uh, discuss it with the landlord and have that technology enabled software so that the landlords can make it happen to make the best type of building in the city uh, and, and really upgrade these other buildings that don't have the technology. I mean, mid, there's there's three different markets in the city. I look at it, right? So there's Midtown, where we talked about is that Plaza District, those Brent, you know, Park Avenue type buildings. There's Midtown South, which are all those garment buildings, Soho, uh, Silicon Alley, I like to call it, 23rd Street down to, to Houston, uh, which are all these short, small you know, 10 story buildings, there's no technology in them. There's a huge opportunity there. And these buildings need to be upgraded and updated. Uh, and, and it's all on the horizon. So it makes sense to have HQO. And then downtown are these very old buildings, uh, 1920s, 30s, 1940s. These buildings are, you know, very old and need upgrading and, and they're going through these renovations. So when you renovate and reposition the building and, and the amenity center and, and want to upgrade it, you need the technology. So this is the right time to, you know, have these conversations and it gets me excited to go on this journey and, and uh, help out the city and, and make it more technology enabled. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, the, just when you segment those, those kind of three areas, it's, it's interesting to see in terms of at least from a tenant experience software perspective, right? Like when you have uh, some of the, you know, repositioned assets or the folks who have been investing. Obviously, what Bornado is doing at Pen One is pretty, um, pretty incredible. You know, the there there's so much uh, capital and resources going into the experience that you know, making sure that it's technology enabled is critical from an ROI perspective. And then you have almost kind of a, a completely opposite, but maybe more extreme pain with. You know some of that like midtown south where there really is nothing outside of location to, to differentiate your asset and if you can uh leverage technology to try to bring experience without even necessarily putting significant resources into any major you know physical changes to an asset or amenitization changes um 
I think it's just really hard to compete if you're in, in some of those properties. So um, very different strategies for the asset teams, but pretty, pretty significant need from a tenant experience perspective. hundred percent. And uh, you know, the landscape of the city is obviously changing every day. You had Hudson Yards that went up and per square foot, you know, it's the same size of Rockefeller Center that was built back in uh, the thirties or 20, you know, the thirties and whatnot. So like you, it's also the same size as the market of Stanford, Connecticut, or like, uh, I want to say Houston or, or whatnot. So it's, in itself is like its own entire huge market. But besides just brand new buildings popping up and new assets, it, the, the landscape of the, the software and the buildings and the technology of these commercial real estate buildings uh, is completely changing too. And this is, you know, we're right on the, the forefront of it. Yeah, 100%. Well, uh, we're coming up on time here, but excited to have you uh, join in the HQO squad and uh taking new york city by storm so thanks a bunch for coming on the let's go show and uh i'm sure uh the the folks and audience will be hearing from you again in uh, the future sometime soon yeah absolutely i'm fired up man let's go also the, you know we're gonna have a lot more content coming out too we're gonna do those collaborations like we talked about so uh i think that the best part about it is basically educating anybody about the commercial real estate and technology world so uh, we'll have a lot of interesting, fun things to do, and we'll be building out New York City and the tri-state area. I mean, we didn't even talk about Brooklyn or, or Jersey City or Long Island City, another huge mar- bunch of markets in Westchester. So th- there's going to be a lot of expansion and growth. So if they don't, ha- any of these landlords don't have this technology, they got to get on board. Let's go. There you go. Well, we we got to leave them wanting more, my man. So we'll uh, we'll cover. We'll cover the other boroughs on the next one. So, uh, that's right. That's right. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll bring you back soon. Beautiful. For more information about how HQO can help you connect with your workforce and make smarter capex decisions and drive more NOI, visit us at HQO.com. This is Chase Garbarino. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go.